0: Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. Apostle John says, He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches and their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice. Just imagine that scene. Hear it. This isn't just a subdued salvation belongs to our God. And they're just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. They're overwhelmed with His amazing grace. They're overwhelmed with the reality that they've been rescued from their sin, And now they're standing in the very presence of God himself. And they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. If you would go to the gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 16 to the end, to verse 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Grab a hold of that promise. I am with you always to the end of the age. Does anybody know what this is? Yes? Thank you. It's a trellis. Do you know what a trellis is for? Okay? The purpose of a trellis is to support the vine, right? It supports a vine as it grows and spreads. It's to keep the vine off the ground so it can, so it won't get trampled, so it can continue to be healthy and grow and spread out. Um, And so we kind of, we talked last week, and we're in a short series on our mission and vision as living church, and we we taught last week kind of bringing this image or this picture of a of a vineyard, if you will, to describe Jesus' heart and vision for spreading his good news, his salvation to your neighborhood and to the nations, like we read about in Revelation 7. And that's his heart. His vision is to see his good news, his salvation spread to places and to people who are without his hope and who are lost and headed to hell without him. And so his heart is to rescue. His heart is to save. And so we see that picture in heaven. And we see people from every nation and tribe and language saying salvation belongs to our God. And last week we, we looked at the question, well, how do we as living church, right? How do we as a family of house churches, how do we see that vision that we see in heaven become reality where we live, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, on our campuses, in our apartment complex? And the answer is that we we multiply. We multiply one disciple, one house church, one leader, one gathering at a time. And we're seeing... This happened. We're seeing disciples made. We're seeing disciples multiplying. We're seeing house churches multiplying. We're seeing leaders multiplying. And so we're seeing the vine grow, if you will. We're seeing it spread. And we're seeing expand, the gospel expand into neighborhoods and communities where we live. And, and we're seeing multiple vines planted, little sprouts starting to, to sprout up in different areas here as well as in this area, as well as over in northern Kentucky, um, which is a good thing. That's all good. And in our journey, we've multiplied disciples and house churches and leaders, but the one thing we have yet to multiply in our journey is this, this gathering. And so I want you to imagine for a, a moment that the gathering is like this post of the trellis. All right? Um, so just imagine that with me. And the purpose of the post or the tre- is for the trellis is to help support the vine as it grows and, and as it spreads. And in our journey, what we've done is we've just moved to the post. Right? We've just, okay, we've had the post over here, right, to support the vines that were growing over here. And we've got some more that are growing over here and different things. God's orchestrated all of that. And so we moved the post and we're here in Newtown. God moved the post, and right? And so we've seen some new things happen, and we're seeing the gospel spread, and there's some things happening even here in Newtown. Bible study every other Monday night in a coffee shop after hours that God is doing and raising up, and so, and that's what we've done in our journey. And last Sunday, I shared that a second gathering, like a second post. I'm asked the guys to come and just kind of put that together if they could, One specifically in Northern Kentucky is what we believe to be a next step for us in our journey, a step that we believe God is leading us to take. And and it should be, and it is an expected step, right? As the vine grows and as we see more disciples made and we see more house churches being started and multiplying in different areas and different regions, and as we see more leaders being equipped, then it, it makes sense that... The next step would be to add more trellis to help support the vine. so if you have vines growing over here right and sprouting up and they're going to but you have vines starting to grow in a totally different region rather than asking those vines to travel all the way over to try to get the support that they need, then we might need to be, build another piece of trellis so that we we can help support the vines that are growing as they spread. And so even though it's in expected step, I understand that it's not an easy one to take. Now, we don't know exactly when this is happening. So everyone right now, just take a big, deep breath, okay? Just take a deep breath. It's going to be, all right, just take a deep breath. All right, we don't know when this isn't happening next Sunday. We don't know when this is happening. But what we do know is that to see the vision of Jesus become reality, if we want to see the vineyard of the gospel spreading into more neighborhoods, more communities throughout our city and to the nations, then we need to expect more trellis to help support the vines as they grow, carrying the fruit of the gospel. So it's an expected step to help support the vines as they're growing. And I understand it's a difficult one. And what we're seeing happen is multiple d- disciples multiplying and house churches multiplying and leaders multiplying. And so the next step in our journey would seem to be like to multiply this gathering to help support the vines that are growing in different areas. And as I said last, last Sunday, we don't we don't have all the answers to what this looks like or to win. All right. But I do understand that for a vineyard to grow and to spread, we should expect this. Alright? In order to keep the vines healthy and growing. And we're not exactly sure how the vines are going to grow because it's organic. And so does it, we put the next piece of trellis over here, do we put it in front, right? I mean, we're just not exactly sure, but we should expect it if we're really seeing the vision of Jesus become reality, of the gospel spreading in, throughout our city and beyond. And so we should expect more trellis. And so this morning, I, I want to take some time to just talk more about the why, why an, another gathering? Why multiple gatherings, potentially? And then I want us to see an example of when God called his people to do something and how he also came alongside them to do it. So why a, why a second gathering, right? Why, why multiple gatherings? Well, just some of you are, are newer to us as Living Church, and, and you need to know that multiple gatherings have been part of our vision from day one. From day one. And, and I hope to, to lay that out for you. Why? All right, we've talked about this 10 years ago. I remember the BCM and those of you who were with us back then and talking about that. So this is nothing new for us, if you will. It might be new for some of you, but as far as the vision that God's called us to, this, is, this has been part of it from the beginning. Um, so I, I just want to kind of take some time to talk a little bit more about the why you know, why do we need more than one post? Why multiple posts, if you will? Well, for, for one, it's, it's biblical. We see, the first, we see the first century church doing this. Acts chapter 20, verse 20, you don't necessarily need to turn there, but Paul is talking to some church leaders in the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey now, and, and he says, I taught you publicly and from house to house. So we see houses gathering together in Ephesus to be equipped in the mission as Paul would teach them. And then as, as we talked last week too, when we were in the book of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, you had house churches gathering and meeting together in the regions, in different regions, the regions of Achaia, which were cities of like Corinth, and um, the region of Macedonia, which would be cities of like Philippi and Thessalonica. And so you had different house churches in different regions gathering. They were, they were separate But they were connected. And so you see this example of of the first century. How did they get the gospel spread to the nations? That's the call. Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'd be my witnesses. Start where you live, and then this thing, let this thing spread out Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it was this organic movement that happened, and yet it had some structure to help support it. And what they had were gatherings in Ephesus. They had gatherings in Philippi. They had gatherings in Corinth and Thessalonica. Multiple gatherings, if you will, but in different locations. And and it's just kind of the natural result. As you see more disciples made, more house churches planted, more leaders trained and equipped, you would expect to see more gatherings to help support the vines that are growing in those areas. So in in one sense, you might have on this post the house churches in Ephesus gathering. On that post, you might have the house churches in Macedonia gathering. And you might have a third post. You might have the the house churches in in Achaia gathering. So so we see this biblically. Another reason for the why is it multiplies current and new leaders and the use of their gifts. And we see this from Scripture. I want you to go to Acts chapter 14 verse 23 Acts chapter 14 verse 23 Talking about Paul and Barnabas and their visits to the different cities where they had preached the gospel and made many disciples and churches were being started and house churches were being formed and and I want you to see what Paul and Barnabas do. In Acts 14, 23. it says and when they Paul and Barnabas had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so here you see Paul and Barnabas, they're the ones appointing elders. They're the ones who are saying, Okay, we're gonna equip, we're gonna train, and we're gonna appoint, appoint the leaders. Now go with me to Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Second Timothy 2, 2. Paul writes to Timothy, who is in Ephesus, and he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what's Paul telling Timothy? He's saying, Timothy, now I want you to do it. I want you to take what I've taught you, and now I want you to do it, and I want you to teach others. I want you to train and equip other leaders. That's what I want you to do. Now, here's Paul could have done it himself. He'd done it before. He could have traveled there. We see him appointing elders before in other areas. Why didn't he just, hey, I'm coming, Timothy. I'm going to appoint elders. No, he said, no, I want you to do do the training. I want you to do the equipping where you are. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. We see this also with Paul's instruction to Titus. In verse 5, he says, this is why I, Paul, left you, Titus, in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So here you have Paul now saying, Titus, I'm leaving you there to now. It's your turn. You need to be training and equipping and releasing leaders and appointing, and appointing elders over the church. Paul could have done it himself, but rather than travel there, he says, no, now you need to stay where you are. Churches are growing. Churches are multiplying. You need to appoint, appoint leaders, and you need to do this. And and having another gathering, if you will, or multiple gatherings, allows us to continue to train and equip and release more leaders and their gifts, and it opens opportunity to for new leaders to be raised up and trained and equipped. And and something too that I'm just learning, kind of over the past couple years about myself, is, is is my role is is a lot like the Apostle Paul. In no way am I saying I'm anything like the Apostle Paul or near him, but. But my role is similar to his. Starting and seeing God move and training and equipping leaders. And one of the things that we see Paul doing is he's releasing leaders to do it. That's what what we see him doing. And so one of my roles, like like Paul, is to release leaders to use their gifts and for them to equip and release leaders and use their gifts. And, and, And we see that happening all throughout the first century in the church as they have gatherings in different locations. And so in one post, you might have leaders in Ephesus leading. And in another post, you might have leaders in Macedonia leading. And Because it's all about the vision of Jesus and that we see, that glimpse in heaven of people from every tribe and language and seeing salvation belongs to our God. It's about reaching our neighborhoods and the nations with the good news of Jesus. Another reason, too, is, is it multiplies opportunities for equipping if you go back to Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, look at verse 21, again referring to Paul and Barnabas. It says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So what do we see here? We We see Paul going to the disciples to equip rather than the disciples coming to Paul to be equipped. And one of the obstacles that we currently experience, and and it's not just us, but really any church, is sometimes we might have people, well, specifically with us as Living Church, we might have people that are sharing life with our house churches that, because of distance or whatever it might be, aren't able to come or they, they don't come to the gathering so that they can be further equipped in the mission. And yeah, they could suck it up and drive over. Many of you guys do. And we're thankful for that. But a second gathering or multiple gatherings near the disciples who need to be equipped in the mission helps equip them in the mission. And if we're equipping more people in the mission, what's that mean? More disciples are being made, more house churches are being planted, the vineyard is spreading, the gospel's going out, and we're reaching the different neighborhoods and places in our city and beyond. And so in a sense, like Paul going to those places to equip the disciples, another gathering of multiple gatherings enables us to go to people, to the disciples, and equip them more in the mission. And, and that's really what this is about. It's about equipping disciples to continue to live the mission where they live. And then as we see new disciples made, as new house churches are starting to, to sprout up in northern Kentucky, and, and we're envisioning as new, new house churches sprout up and, and we're seeing new disciples made, providing the support near them enables them to get the support and help that they need where they are and to be equipped where they are. And so you might have a post in Anderson to help support the house churches that are that are growing and multiplying in Anderson. And you might have a post of a trellis in in Northern Kentucky to help support the house churches that are that are that are growing and multiplying. You might have a, a post in Indiana, right, as house churches are starting or might start up over there to help encourage and equip. You might. You, you, It just provides more of an opportunity for us to equip more people in the mission for the purpose of getting the gospel to as many people as we possibly can, for the glory of God. And so what's this look like for for us as Living Church? Well, as I said earlier, what we've done in our 10-year journey so far is we've put everything on one post, right? We've had... Even though we have some house churches maybe in this area and house churches over here, we we put everything on on one post. And so we've moved the post to different spots to try to help them. But as this thing grows, as it's spreading, as we're seeing more vines start to sprout up, we should expect that rather than expect the vines over here to make their way all the way over here to come to, to get the support and the health and the equipping and what they need in order to grow and be healthy. If we have if God's provided the leadership and provided what we what we need and the resources why wouldn't we add a piece of trellis here to help what God is doing over here? And there's connecting. There's still connecting of the two, right? As, as, as this moves forward, and yes, they're separate, but what, like you see in the first century, there's still connection through mission, through leadership, through all kinds of different ways. So there's still connection between them, even though there's two or more. So, another gathering closer to where the vines are helps support the new disciples being made. So, why? Why? It, it, we see it in Scripture. We see the first century church living this out. We, it multiplies leaders, it multiplies equipping, it keeps the vines that are sprouting and growing healthy and growing. And, and it's, it's what we should expect. If we expect to grow, and we expect the gospel to do what it does. And we expect the spirit to move and to spread, not just here, but wherever he leads us. Then we should expect to add more trellis to help the vineyard expand and grow and be healthy. Now, when is this happening? This is not the answer you want to hear. I get it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And I know we want to know what this looks like, right? We want all those questions answered, and they'll be answered in time. But what I do know is that the time is coming for us to add more trellis. That's what I do know. Why? Because we're seeing disciples made and multiplied, house churches multiplying, leaders multiplying. And it's what's next in this journey as living church for us to support new vines that are planted and spreading and sprouting in different areas. And it's what's next for us to see that vision of Jesus become reality. And can I just tell you from what I see? I don't see just two. I see the vineyard. I don't just see two. I see multiple. And I always have. 10, 15 years ago when, when God was doing a work in me and about house churches and all this. I'm reading the New Testament. I'm like, I just don't. They're not just two. There's multiple. I don't just see this. I see all kinds of posts, if you will. Why? Because I see the gospel spreading into neighborhoods and campuses where you are, your workplace, your apartment complex, our city. God may want to raise some of you up to move to a completely different part of our city in order to reach that area with the good news of Jesus and start a vine to sprout over there. We may want to move several of you to do that together. And so that's what I see. I see the vineyard. I I see many people being impacted as we, the church, are growing and expanding and moving out with the good news of Jesus. And that's the mission. We have to see this through the lens of the mission that Jesus has called us to. We have to see the vision of heaven where there are people in your neighborhood, in your campus, in your workplace, in your community, singing, salvation belongs to our God. That's what we have to see and see the, this through. And I know it's, something like this is hard, and it's hard for us to hear, well, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what this is lo- going to look like. We don't know when this is happening. But I'm just trying to help us just prepare ourselves for when it happens So that we can see that this is good. It's good. It's hard, but it's good. And it should be expected as God grows us and multiplies us. And now, here's, here's what's so good in all of this, okay? We have a God who will be with us as we do what he's called us to do, as we journey to where he's told us to go. We have a God who will be with us. How do we know this? Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 36. Exodus 36. As you're turning there, a little bit of background. God has promised his people a land. He's told them to go to this land. Along the way, they get taken as slaves by Egypt, and they are slaves there for 400 plus years. Then God raises up a leader, Moses, who leads his people, God's people, out of slavery and on this journey to this land that God has promised them. And on their way, God gives them, he calls them to do something. And one of the things he calls them to do is to build a tabernacle. And I was reading this this week in my scheduled Bible reading and just spending some time with the Lord. And I, some, and I tried to journal. And, and so I was just, man, as I was reading this and reading these, these chapters, I couldn't stop. I just kept reading I, and then I'm just making comment after comment about what God was just showing me through this. And, and so where, where we pick this up in Exodus 36 is God has given his people an instruction to build this tabernacle, which is a place where God's going to dwell with his people. And, and it's here where I want us to see what God does for his people as they do what he's called them to do on their journey to go where he's told them to go. Exodus 36, verse 1 and 2. Bezalel and Aholiab. You ever heard those guys' names? Good. uh, If you're looking, if you're going to have a baby soon, there's some good baby names to choose from. Bezalel and Aholiab. And every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Now, up to this point, these guys have been hanging out with the community for a long time. Right? As as God's people have been on the journey, but now they come to a point where God's, no, okay, I've given you some specific instructions. I need you to build this temple. And now we got these two dudes and other craftsmen. If you look at verse 8, and all the craftsmen among the workmen made the tabernacle with tin curtains. They were made of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns with cherubim, skillfully worked. And if you keep reading chapters 36, 37, and 38, it keeps saying, he made this, he made this, they made this, and all this. well so I'm reading this, I'm going, what's God doing for, he's told them to build a tabernacle. He's told them to go to a specific place. He's called them to do these things. He's raising up the people needed to do what he's called his people to do. He's providing the people necessary and needed to do what he's called them to do. And God's going to do the same with with us. And he's going to do the same with you. Maybe there's something you personally know that God is wanting you to do. And you know it. God's going to give you the people needed to do what he's called you to do. Verses 3 through 7 of Exodus 36. And they, these craftsmen, they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. And they said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. Have you ever heard an announcement like that in church? Guys, stop serving. Would you stop giving? For crying out loud, you're giving way more than we need. Please stop. Never heard that. You probably never will. But that's what's going on here. They're like, guys, God's called us to do something. You guys are just giving like crazy. You need to just stop it. All right? And that's what Moses does. He's like, gave the command, words proclaimed let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Like, they're like wanting to give you. Stop. Stop it. No, I want to. Stop. No. That's what's going on. So the people were restrained from bringing, verse 7, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Well, What's God doing here for his people? He's like, I'm not only going to provide the people you need to do what I've called you to do, I'm going to provide the resources you need to do what God's called you to do. I'm going to to provide. And then go to Exodus chapter 39. Exodus chapter 39. Look at verse 32. Thus all the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. Go to verse 42 and 43 of chapter 39. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so had... They done it. I mean, over and over, they did it. They did it. They did it. It's like God saying, listen, my people, they they did what I asked them to do. I I called them to build this tabernacle. I gave them instructions to do it. And they did it. And God is calling you to make disciples. He's calling us to make disciples. And you need to do it. We need to do this. It's not optional. When I tell my kids clean their room, do I expect them to clean their room? Yeah. All right. If they come back to me, and Francis Chan talks about this, he, he says, if my kids come out and say, Dad, I can, uh, I can say clean my room in Greek. Right, And they can can know everything about cleaning the room, but if they don't clean their room, they're not doing what we've asked them to do. God expects you to follow through, expects us to do what he's called us to do. And the mission is to go make disciples and to see the gospel spread to the nations and to the neighborhoods and to our community. We must do this. And we see God's people doing it. Exodus chapter 40 verses 16 through 33. We won't read the whole thing, but look at verse 16. It says, This Moses did, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. And then if you look at Verse 32 and 33 says, when they went into the tent of meeting and when they had approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. So here we see God providing the people they need to do what he's called them to do. We see God providing the resources they need to do what God's called them to do. We see God's people doing what he's called them to do. And now we see God's leaders, God's leader doing what he's called him to do. And then the best part is next. The best part. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 through 38. So they finished the work. The tabernacle's been built. Now what? Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. What's happening here? What's happening here is God is doing what he told his people he would do. He's doing what he told his people he would do when he called them to do what he wanted them to do. Well, what's he doing? He's being with his people. Lo, I am with you always. That's the best part. Is God saying, I'll be with you. I'm with you. And God promised him back in Exodus 29. He says, I want you to build this thing so I can be with you. I'm going to be with you. And then we have, right, fat. Fast forward to to Christ and his coming and the cross and the empty tomb and the spirit coming. And now we have the promise of God's presence with us always in us through the gospel. Now God dwells in us and we have his presence with us, this promise of his presence with us. And so we we see God doing this as he calls his people to do something and he tells them to go to a place that they've never been before, they've never experienced before, they never built a tabernacle before, but God called them to do it. What do we see God doing? He provides them the people they need to do what he's called them to do. He provides the resources they need to do what he's called them to do. He expects his people to do what he calls them to do. He expects the leaders to do what he's called them to do. And then what does he do? He does what he said he would do. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you, always. And so when the time comes for us, right, to do what God is calling us to, to go where he wants us to go and not just... Yes, as a church, but maybe for you personally. When the time comes for us to do what God's called us to do, to see the vineyard of his gospel spread, we can know this, and you can know this, that you have a God who will give you the people you need to do what he's called you to do. You have a God who will give you the resources you need to do what he's called you to do. And you have a God who expects you to do what he's called you to do. And you have a God, if you're a leader, who intends you as a leader to do what he's called you to do. And you have a God who will do what he said he would do. Be with you as you do it and as you go. And I understand that we don't have all the answers of what this looks like. But we need to rejoice, church, because we're seeing disciples made and multiplied. We're seeing house churches made and multiplied. We're seeing leaders made and multiplied. And at some point, God expects us to continue to help lift up the vine as it spreads so that we can see more people one day in heaven singing and shouting, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to To our God, and as we live this, we have the promise of Jesus himself who said, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What's it look like? I don't exactly know. I don't. When is this all? I, I, I I don't really know. But what I'm asking of you and me is to see the vineyard. See the vineyard. And let's continue to trust our God who said he would do what he would do. He would be with us as we do what he's called us to and go where he's called us to go. Pray with me.